0: the goal of equipping the athlete and those coaching them with the physical, mental, and spiritual armor necessary to live their best life. Here's Coach Connors. Welcome
1: to Absolute Empowerment. Uh, Tonight we have a long-time and well-known strength and conditioning professional, (laughs) Chip Sigmund. And Chip, it's uh, such an honor to have you on the show. Thanks a lot for taking the time to come
2: on. Well, Jeff, Coach, as I said, I am more than humbled and flattered that you would have me. I've watched about every one of your podcasts. You had Jerry Paul Mary on. Good friend of mine, Jerry Paul Mary, who I met at University of North Carolina. We'll get into that. But uh, I commend you, uh, Coach. We talked about it. I'll tell you, your listeners, I commend you for what you're doing. Just extraordinary. uh, Hall of Fame strength coaches, you are. Gosh, the world of strength conditioning knows you. And what you're doing on this podcast, reaching people, helping people, uh, young men and women—you are truly to be commended. Thank you for having me, Coach.
1: Well, I appreciate it. One of the things that I'm looking to do here is find brothers in Christ because uh, I certainly need that support myself, and uh, I fight a battle every day. Uh, we talked a lot, and we—I've talked to a lot of people uh, on the podcast about the. Uh, the spiritual battle that we face every day. Amen. And uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, and what we have tonight is actually a golden age discussion because we've got a few years under our belts. <laughs> uh, but uh, I was uh, very flattered to be included in the, in the book, uh, the golden age of, of strength and conditioning. And and you were certainly certainly integral in that project, and uh, so I, I want to thank you for that, and uh, I just thought it was, uh, there were so many great individuals in there with a story, and uh, when you go back to where this profession began, uh, we had so many challenges that we didn't even realize, and uh, whoever thought that those individuals in our positions would make the kind of money that they're making today. But it says (laughs) quite a bit for where the profession has, uh, you know, has come. And uh, the only part of that is you better win to hang on to that money. So.
2: uh, (laughs) Amen. Yeah. That's, that's the stress that comes with that, that, um, that compensation.
1: So you're exactly right, coach. Well, what I, what I want to talk about, Tip, uh, when you, as far as your interest uh, as a young man in strength and conditioning, uh, you had a successful career in bodybuilding. Um, you know, talk a little bit about that growing up and how you got interested in bodybuilding and, uh, you know, and or athletics. I'm not sure what your athletic uh, involvement was, but uh, give me a little bit of background there.
2: Oh, thanks coach. Um, you know, I think there's like everybody else, um, uh, early at an early age, but we, both you and I came up in the seventies. I remember my high school strength coach said guys don't lift weights, but I did anyway. I was a hundred. I wrestled in high school at 140. I think the weight class 142. And, um, uh, so, um, uh, I needed to get as strong and as, you know, wanted to get strong and big, big. I played uh, running back, defensive back in high school, ran on the track team. And and so lifting, I just it just felt good. I remember coach, remember the when I was in the sixth, seventh grade in the early and late sixties, mid sixties, excuse me, got up, my dad got me a set of Ted Williams. We- remember Ted Williams, the baseball player? Absolutely. He had a plastic a plastic weights. Ted Williams, Ted Williams probably never lifted a weight in his life.
0: <laughs> and here he,
2: he is, um, has got this, you know, plastic weight set. And then I had it in my room under my bed. And I'd bring it out and lift. And so all, I remember in high school we got our a universal machine. Remember that? in the, and the early seventies, 72, the coaches start on that. We did a circuit. Nobody knew what this was doing 30 seconds. Uh, You go to another station, Thirty sets. go to another station. Uh, Great for endurance, not a lot, uh, uh, muscular endurance, not a lot, not a lot for strength. But as time goes on, then I I played, um, I got a college uh, football scholarship to Lees McRae Junior College uh, because I was, I just enjoyed it. I was still too small and I wasn't going to make any uh, major, um, you know, major D1 school for sure. But I remembered I had a pretty good two years at Lees McRae. I could have gone on to play at Catawba College. The coach there at Lees McRae went to Catawba as a chip. I want you to come with me. No, coach, because I, was into, I got into weight training. And I would transfer to Appalachian State, the Mountaineer Health Club. I got a little bit of powerlifting, but then there was a guy there by the name of John Roten, who was an Olympic lifter, and got me into bodybuilding. And um, – I competed started competing in 76 and competed all the way up to 83. But that was my, I remember coach, I didn't mention to you, we talked earlier, of course, uh, this afternoon, but here's, here's how it came to be. And in the strength, in the golden age of strength conditioning book, your story's in there, 32 coaches are in there. And this is a part of my story. And I'll tell it a little bit tonight. Um, I won the Mr. North Carolina, in 1977, at when I was a student at Appalachian State, and all of one day, I don't know how he got my telephone number. The baseball coach Jim Morris called me up. The baseball coach, and we're still friends, good friends to this day. He was a legendary baseball coach. He's in the Hall of Fame at Appalachian State. But he called me up in night. That was 1977. I said, "Chip," and I'm an undergraduate. I want you to train our baseball team. We had an old Appalachian State, had an old universal machine in the gymnastics room. And that's what I did. That semester, I trained the baseball team. Won't go into what we did or anything, and half the things we didn't have <laughs> were, were terrible. But back then, we that's what we knew. We won the Southern Conference Championship. We led let the uh, nation, I believe, I'm pretty sure, in home runs. I know we led the conference in home runs. And I knew then that's what I was wanted, wanted to do. And so I continued. I knew I just, I went to, I came back to my hometown, Canapolis, to coach and teach. I coached football. I was a head junior varsity football coach and coached the defensive ends for the high school level. Then I coached track. I coached junior high and high school track. And uh, so that really, you know, I, I enjoyed it so much. But then I was still competing in, in bodybuilding at the time. And so I, I won some, uh, uh, the Mr. Southeastern uh, uh, AU and some others plus placed high, top five. Well, in the early 80s, I finished third in the Mr. Mid-America. Should have won it when I they announced my... Name for third place, just a little for entertainment purposes here. Man, you should have heard that. it was in this was in Dallas, Texas, at the Dallas Convention Center. And back then, the golden age of bodybuilding, it was hot. That auditorium, that convention center was packed. When they called my name out for third place, the p- place went nuts. Booing. You've never heard of such. And I asked the judges. <laughs> you lost because of your posing. Not because of how I looked. And that was, you know, that was, back then, posing was. So the next year, I went back. I went back to uh, Fort Worth, Texas, the Lone Star Classic bodybuilding. Huge, huge uh, theater in Lone Star and Fort Worth, Texas. And I won the overall. Won the overall. I placed third in Mr. America, over Mid-America overall. Well, I'm at the gym in Charlotte, North Carolina. That's where I went to train. I'm still teaching high school. And said, Chip, Joe Weider's on the phone. (laughs) Yeah, right. He wants to talk to you. He wanted me to come out, come out, spend a few days there, have John Balick, the famous photographer for Weider, film me in the studio, took pictures uh, at World Gym outside. I trained at Gold's Gym, but they took pictures outside at World Gym. But I had to get back because Jeff, I had an interview at the University of North Carolina's assistant strength coach under Mike Marks, Jerry Paul, Mary, me. And thank God that I had that interview because it changed the course. <laughs> because here it is the deal, Jeff. I was so selfish back then. Well, I got home. I got the job, but I can't remember. It was before I went to University of North Carolina. But here's the deal, Jeff. I said, Chip, and this is the gospel truth. I've got a picture downstairs in my office. I'm, as you can see, I'm in my garage gym. But downstairs in my office, I've got, I've got a letter framed from Joe Weider. Chip, you were scheduled to be on the front cover of Muscle Fitness. He wanted me to stay out there, and I didn't know it at the time I came back. But he got mad because that's the way Joe Wheeler is. You turn him down. I didn't know it at the time. Yeah. So if I would have known, if I'd have had bodybuilders say, because I, I ran into a few well-known, but if I think the Lord kept those people away from me. Because if somebody out there had said, Chip, we want you to stay, train for the Mr. USA, daggum right, screw the University of North Carolina. I'm, I'm going to be Mr. USA. I'm going to have my bodybuilding. But there's something that pulled me toward that. I knew I wanted to be a strength conditioning coach. So I continued. So I thank God that I went to the University of North Carolina and my direction changed. Because I can say, Jeff, and I, I say this very humbly, I see bodybuilders from my age, they still post pictures on the Internet of them competing long ago. I have more than that. I don't do a lot of that. I do maybe for my business, but you'll very rarely see me post. I post on the only reason I'm on social media is for Facebook and Instagram for my business. And it's not me, it's my athletes and their progress or my personal training clients. But so I really, I thank God I took that direction and there's more to my life than just bodybuilding. Right now, so at the, from the University of North Carolina, if you want me to go on this, I will, Jeff. I don't mean to all the time. Do you want me to go right into after North University of North Carolina? Uh, do you want me to do that uh, now, sure. Jeff? So that, that was my right
1: I, Well, I wanted to mention a couple things. Yeah. Uh, the things. Uh, first of all, a little bit about some of the people. Um, because you know, I used to I used to read every magazine known to mankind that had any kind of training in it back in the day. Of course, Muscle and Fitness, or I I actually have the the whole twelve issues of uh, Strength and Health magazine from nineteen forty two that have never been uh, opened. Wow! So I still have those, and I've got a I've got a ton, a ton of vintage bodybuilding magazines right here in this room. Um. So I really enjoy reading a lot of that stuff because it, a lot of it has, has not changed. And it's also very interesting how there was so much criticism about these guys that were actually, they were bodybuilders, but they were actually acrobats and they were so flexible and athletic and explosive. And, uh, you know, they were basically made fun of, (laughs) so, uh, Interesting to me, uh, Casey Vieter. I don't know if you remember Casey Viator. I
2: saw him, uh, Jeff, real quick. I traveled down to Deland, Florida. And yeah. Watched, I was very fortunate to stand right beside of him and watch him train. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: No, and I mean, I had a Nautilus Health Club uh, in Tennessee, and I went to Deland myself. And, you know, it was amazing to me that Arthur Jones would use Casey Viator as his yeah. model. Uh, to sell Nautilus in Casey Vader probably, uh, I don't even know if you use Nautilus, you know, <laughs> that's the truth. But go ahead, and then, uh, then you got the Mensner brothers, and I was very interested in their in high intensity method of training, and I thought uh, that had a lot of application toward not only size but mental toughness. Exactly. Yes. So I was very interested in what they were doing at times with that type of training. Yes. sir. And because I've always been a leg freak, uh, I actually met Tom Platts once, uh, and it, it, Tom Platts was about, it looked like about five foot four,
2: but you know, he had tremendous he, legs. And you talk about intense training, Jeff, you, you know, how yeah. he, it's incredible what, what he did.
1: And, you know, the, uh, the, the one that was one of the most impressive to me was Frank Zane, you know, because, uh, he had so much symmetry and, uh, and I, I liked reading about some of his programs and so forth. So, you know, and then another guy was Robbie Robinson. Uh, but, uh, so I just wanted to mention that, but what I wanted you to talk a little bit about was, uh, Let's, let's talk a little bit about nutrition back then and how you prepared for a contest. And uh, was, was that a healthy
2: venture or an unhealthy venture? Bodybuilding, when you get down to the contest training, Jeff, it is not healthy. Uh, we were on very, very low carbohydrates. The only carbohydrates we would get really would be two pieces of wheat toast in the morning. And how we trained for energy. Um, and I have to, I've, I've got to remember, because this is a long time ago. And um, I had a lot of pictures and all I, took, I had diaries, I had journals, nutrition, training, everything. And all my pictures uh, from a lot of them from California, some of them were, no, I got a few, but were destroyed in a, a water, they were stored in a, where my water eater was and it busted uh, when we first moved to Charlotte. But uh, the nutrition side of it was not, but we put down the protein and protein is important. And then we didn't really know how much. Now we know we have the science to back it up. Uh, I'm very fortunate to be uh, a certified, which really means, you know, but still from the ISSN, which I'm very proud of. That's the hardest exam uh, I've ever studied for international sites of sports nutrition. So when working with people from a legal standpoint, I can do that and talk. Uh, but it's very, I recommend that highly. I studied a year for it. Uh, but uh, we know now we have scientific research of how important protein is. Back then we knew it, but we didn't have anything to back it up. I remember even in high school, in college, well, you don't need more protein. Yes, you do. Especially me and you, Jeff, as we age. The older people, you need more protein but back then we just knew it was tuna. I don't need a lot of tuna this day because gosh, I put down three or four cans a day and chicken breast, Uh, no red meat, and now contest prep, you're gonna gonna have a little red meat uh, to keep you hard, uh, to keep you full, uh, that full effect. Uh, We'll get into that, but so green vegetables were important. I ate a ton, I had to get down to the Mr. USA. That was my uh, weight class of 176. Uh, so a lot of grapefruit, just a little bit of fruit during the morning, but just from then on after lunch, it was nothing but meat, uh, yeah, right. we did eggs, we did chicken, we did tuna, but nothing fish, uh, other than, uh, you know, some, uh, flounder, some, uh, salmon. But, uh, now we know we didn't, we didn't have the research on creatine back then. All we really had was then not a lot of supplements. Not a lot of supplements at all, and I don't. I don't even remember uh, having a protein supplement. Whey was really not discovered then; it was not out then. And the, you got to talk about talking about the early eighties, and so it was just we got our 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 basic nutrition from foods, and uh, and so. But now, gosh, we know so much more about why you should have pro, pro, uh, protein, uh, the amount, creatine. Just not how good it is for for resynthesizing ATP. That's what creatine does. But now even more important, Jeff, is now the older population. I would say into you start into your 50s, creatine every day. And there's more studies now on brain health for creatine than there is for muscular power. Okay, yeah. so yeah. it's, it's mm-hmm. critical that the, for your cognitive health, for your memory, Alzheimer's, dementia, it's creatine, creatine. So I will take it until the day that the good Lord takes me home. That's how important in the science now is just not through the resynthesizing ATP, adenosine triphosphate. It is brain health. Right. Well, I know a little bit about
1: creatine. Uh, we used to uh, actually put it in our drink machines in the weight room. <laughs> smart, smart. Two years back. And uh, could, can't do that anymore. But Oh, uh, I
2: remember. I remember. I got a call. I mean, everybody used to think, well, creatine is so bad. I got to say this. I got a call from a headmaster at a private school that a, a former Charlotte Hornet basketball player, my son's going to this school and they're getting ready to kick him out of school. They found creatine in his dorm room. This is a national occurrence. I said, no, 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 let me talk to him. And I let parents say, I don't want my son on creatine or daughter on creatine. Okay, just stuff your red meat, because yeah. creatine is found in fish and red meat. So anyway, I just thought I'd throw that out there. That's how far we've come on nutrition. And, um, and so
1: anyway. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh steroid abuse. But what I want to talk about there more than anything is testosterone because so many people these days are on this TRT, testosterone replacement therapy. And I mean, you know, it's we're talking about some young folks as well. And uh, this has become very popular. And uh, I know that my physician is adamant about the fact that she believes that testosterone causes cardiovascular issues. Uh, So
2: what is your opinion there? This is my opinion and mostly scientific research. I don't, I'm the kind of person that this uh, Jeff, I will, I will go nothing but research, but I will have my opinion also. But so I don't, I don't if you show me show me other research against mine and I, it's solid and there's study after study, I'll change my opinion in a heartbeat. I don't have any question. If it's research, show it to me. Here's the deal. Let's get back the first thing you said steroids, anabolic steroids. Well, that's a that's a oxymoron. Steroids are anabolic, so you shouldn't steroids. All right. Back then I took them. I'm not ashamed because here's the deal. I had a doctor who gave them to me, who prescribed them. I went to him. He checked my blood work, did everything. We only took them back then in the 80s. You would take them maybe two months before a show, that's it, and then you got off. There's so much, and that's what Schwarzenegger did, Zane did, the Robbie Robinsons. That's why the Golden Age people, that's why they're still living this long. You don't see many. they're dying of course, but they're in their eighties. Yeah. Now you've got bodybuilders passing away just like that. Why they're over, one of the, my personal opinion, and I've seen some research and read some articles. That's all I'm doing a lot of times is reading because of the job I have now and research. Oh, it could be the overuse of steroids. Uh, We took them, but then we got right off. I've never had, and when I, that the Mr. USA in 1983, that was it, because I knew I wanted to be a strength coach. When I got to Appalachian State, and you know, in the 80s, collegiate athletics was full of it. I was able to sit down with my players, get doctors in, and and tell, tell the harmful effects to our players, the harmful effects of it. Okay, so the, the steroids. Now the TRT. I have blood work done two, three times a year, and there's a place right up the street I'll go from time to time. I have no problem with men our age, Jeff, on TRT if your testosterone is low. Mine is middle to high because I'm lifting weights every day and a lot of red meat, a lot of eggs, okay lean red meat. If you're touched that could be a game changer. I have no problem, no issues with that. Here's what I have a problem with. These young people now, they're on TRT, and their testosterone is already high. And you tell me when you go off of that testosterone, your pituitary gland has got to try to kick back in. And, boy, it takes a while. Because the pituitary gland is atrophied. It's not having to work anymore you're giving it testosterone that it doesn't have to produce. So so you're running in some big time, yes, cardiovascular from the long run of these young men, yep, that could be down the road because you're talking about a long span. Your older population, I mean, their time time here on this earth is short. So if your testosterone is real low in the 200s, Low 200s, anywhere in the 200s, I have no problem with that. I don't because my testosterone is naturally middle range to high, and I have it checked off, and people, I'm 67 years old, 67 and a half. So that's my take on that. I've heard it both ways, uh, but it come, come to the other side, it's more, more positive from older men. If they're on TRT, it can be a game-changer. Yeah. Well, I still try to squat pretty heavy to keep mine up. <laughs> and I'm, I will tell you, there, I just read an article, Jeff. Research, yeah. and I'm I'm great you brought that up. You want to keep your testosterone high? And I saw the I saw the uh, the uh, 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 text on the squat. If you want to keep your testosterone high, two exercises you do as you age: you deadlift and you squat. Yeah, then the German volume training, the 10 by 10, (laughs) or at least when I squat, Jeff, now this past Saturday I squatted five by five. The next time I squat will be in the, I like going, it's between six sets and 10 sets. German volume training, German volume training, uh, 10 by 10, but at least go up to six sets of 10 reps and here's why. Big time increases in testosterone levels, deadlift and squat. Six by 10 or up seven by 10, eight by 10, on up 10 by 10. So it's very important. uh, um, I think very important that you said that.
1: Well, interesting. So uh, just one more question along those lines. uh, Are you familiar with peptides more specifically, Ipamorella and CJC
2: 1295? Yeah, oh, I was just listening to a podcast uh, this afternoon on peptides. And boy, there's a lot of them out there. And I will stop right there because this is it. Some of that stuff is over my head. I need to do, I've listened to it and I've listened to it. Peptides, but peptides like uh, Sorms. can be detrimental.
0: Yeah,
2: it can be. It can have a negative effect. So it's just like the guys remember at Clemson, who were um, who were uh, I believe they were uh, uh, thrown off the team or something happened. Uh, I, I, I I'm not sure, but uh, sarms, uh, a form of peptide in a form of a an- only one molecule off from a from a steroid yeah so I'll leave it there. There's some good ones out there. there's some detrimental ones out there so peptides are the big thing. that's what the young bodybuilders now or strength strength uh, 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 uh competitors power lifters are getting into and yeah. you've got to be you better do your research. I'm not into that I don't of course I'm not gonna take it uh whats your the the two you mentioned tell me about that Jeff uh, well taken together they're known
1: as uh, more of a secreted gog that stimulates growth hormone uh,
2: and and growth hormone believe it or not and this is the research growth hormone does very little to build muscle to build protein synthesis here's what it does it really the other Components the other tissues around the muscle the ligaments and tendons get stronger. So you will be able to lift more weight but it also say you got cancer Makes the cancer bigger. It makes it enlarges Everything just yeah. not ligaments and tendons and getting it stronger. so there's a there's a misinform misinformed or um, information about growth hormone says man i'm gonna take this i'm gonna get huge well it's not the muscles it's not going to make the muscles bigger it will make the ligaments and tendons much stronger so you can lift heavier gotcha
1: well let's go ahead and move into your journey and strength and conditioning and uh talk a little bit about your experience at the high school level and then when you uh uh went to to unc as an assistant and then from there uh Give us a little
2: information there. Um, at uh, University of North Carolina, two years with, uh, you had him on last week, Jerry Palmer. We became great friends. And the head uh, strength conditioning coach, Mike Marks, who was also in the book. Um, then from there, I got the head strength coach at Appalachian State, the very first strength conditioning coach at Appalachian State. I had some great, or well, all of them great years, uh, from 80, 83, 84 to 1990. Um, I was under three great head coaches, uh, Matt Brown, then Sparky Woods, then Jerry Moore, uh, some great men uh, on those on those, those each staff. From there, uh, so we, I got to say this, Jeff, that, and you were in there, you, you've been through this. We had a little weight room at Appalachian State in the dungeon. No windows, nothing. I'd go in at five o'clock at dark. I'd walk out at dark and you've done the same thing, and uh, the sacrifices that we made. Uh, but back then, hey, we did what we had to do, and it was uh, blue-collar. It was work, and that's just what we did. I worked with all teams. Now you've been there. Um, yeah. So just just not <laughs> – these guys just working with football nowadays. Holy cow, I can not only really imagine. But then in 1990, got opportunity with the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, the first couple of years, I did not travel, then – Uh, from around 1993, something like 94, started traveling with the team and up until they left uh, in uh, 2002, I believe. And so the travel, hard on the family. So when they left for New Orleans, they had some great experiences there, I can go into there if you want to, but I'll just briefly, uh, so when they left New Orleans in 2002, I decided no, I had the opportunity. I said no, I had two little girls, I have a, uh, two beautiful daughters, along with a beautiful wife, Michelle, and my two daughters, Claire, who is now the uh, um, uh, vice president of business communication at, um, at Control uh, Supplements um, in Miami, Florida. Then I have Sydney, I gotta say this, Jeff, I know you don't mind. Uh, Sydney, who, uh, uh, my youngest, uh, she lives in Nashville, Tennessee, outside in Franklin. Uh, She owns her own business. She videos weddings all throughout the country. Sydney Sigmund Films on YouTube. And uh, so I'm blessed with two. But I didn't want to take them. I did not want to take them to New Orleans and raise them there. So Charlotte, outside Charlotte, Kannapolis, my hometown. And uh, we were living outside Charlotte. And so it worked out. I went to work for Ortho Carolina. I was in charge or, or helped with their sports performance. But in the mornings, here's what made me a better strength coach. When the kids got out of school, they would do sports performance. But during that, during when school was in session, they let me uh, be in a, uh, a physical therapist. I just couldn't sign off on anything because I've been doing this for so long. I was also in an coaching um, at uh, A.L. Brown High School in Kannapolis, football and track one year or two, I was a certified athletic trainer. So I helped out with the injuries. So I had a little bit of background. Being a physical therapist and assisting with physical therapy at Ortho Carolina, I would work with patients just like physical therapists, a regular one, certified. And uh, I would do that, made me a better strength coach because now I have great relationships with Ortho Carolina with doctors and physical therapists. If somebody needs help, one of my clients, I can uh, direct them. If I can't get you better in two weeks, I'll direct you to a physical therapist. I don't try to be a physical therapist, I'm not certified. But just during, during that time at Ortho Carolina, for 11 years, uh, 10 years, uh, great, great experience. Uh, from there, real quick, um, I went to work, uh, two good friends of mine, um, Eric Hillman and Jeff Compton, who uh, owned Europa Sports Pro- Products, the largest uh, distributor of nutritional supplements in the world. Uh, they said, Chip, we want you to come work for us we got a 3,000-square-foot weight room, take care of our employees. This was in my latter years. So I thought, hey, this is going to be great, and it was. And then you can run your personal training business while I was doing some on the side in our gym. And I did just that. When COVID hit, well, this is behind me. This is what I have. It's been a real blessing, uh, Jeff, working with – I'm here in my garage three days a week. My wife's in here on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. I'm here on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. That my good friend Eric Kilman, who was owner of Europa Sports, has a private gym that he just lets me, hey, Chip, you come on. My, my members are here. It's a private gym, but bring your people in too. And he's just been, it's just been an incredible blessing. That's what kind of guy he is. And a uh, good friend. I just take care of the place for him while he's gone and while I'm there. So it's just been a, a, an incredible I've been blessed. The Lord has blessed me, Jeff, in spite of me <laughs> and the things I've uh, just just incredible blessings from him. And um, it's just uh, I'm just honored and humbled to be able to live the life. I'm still very involved in strength conditioning. Uh, just attended the South Carolina State Convention. I spoke at the NSCA National Convention in Charlotte um, and this past January. And uh, we talked about that. So, um, just still involved in nutrition and research and training. I still have that passion, uh, still communicate with so many strength conditioning coaches like yourself, Mike Gentry, Jerry Paul Marion, and, and others. Gotcha. Well, yeah, I had to, uh, I went up to Ohio State's
1: clinic and then I went to the National Conference down in Orlando. And uh, so I'm. Still trying to keep my certifications. <laughs> yeah, we, we still we still have that passion. And uh when I was in Carolina, we uh I pretty much referred everybody I had to Europa. Uh I don't I don't remember the guy's exact name that I you know that I dealt with there, but uh it's a great company and uh All right, it was put out some great products. Sure do. And, and uh you know, I was at Steve Watterson's house here recently. We did a podcast there, and you know, I Steve saw that. Had, yeah, great, great, great podcast, by the way. Yeah, you know, Steve had has designed, uh, I guess, quite a few products nutritionally. So uh, for for Advocare, um, but I don't know, uh, you know, what what the status of that company is these days. But anyway, uh, that was a that was a big company where a lot of coaches were involved in for a long period of time.
2: I remember. It sure were. Yes
1: uh so if you go back uh so let, let's talk a little bit about your your spiritual life a little bit about uh your thoughts there with regard to uh growing up and then uh through your marriage and and having a family and 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 leadership in the home and uh, all those types of things i've seen pictures of your beautiful family uh incredible looking daughters uh and uh You know, give me a little bit of information there as far as 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 some
2: of your feelings in relationship to belief. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for giving this opportunity. Well, my daughters, of course, they're beautiful as they get their looks from me. But uh, but uh, it's been a journey, Jeff, that I've been close, so close to the Lord and the, the other times when I've sat right beside of Satan. And yet through it all, God's, and we talked about this earlier, God's love, his grace, and his mercy, and guiding me and directing me. And one of the most important things in my life, and we again, we talked about this for this afternoon, is spiritual and physical discipline. I love discipline. I was in this garage at six o'clock this morning lifting. If I hadn't, I hadn't have got it in. Then I've been with clients all day. I went out to eat lunch and came home rested, right back at it at the private gym. And I love it. I love discipline. I love working so hard. I studied, I researched for a year, every day, getting preparing for the NSCA National Convention, getting up and speaking prepared a year for it or from may until january excuse me that's how i love some i love challenges i know you're the same way yeah, and, absolutely. and yeah. you know and it's the adversity yeah what right. we dealt with in in college jeff what we dealt with in day to day adversity is something that really cautioned it turned our stomachs at the time. I know you wouldn't. I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah. The adversity that we faced and God threw it all through his love, his grace, and was his mercy. And there's no way I'm getting into heaven. No way. <laughs> I'm not going there except for what he did on the cross for me, for me and you, Jeff, and others. And it's just Incredible. He's been so good to me in spite of me, his love. And to think about it, when you pray and you ask for something and Jeff, God's got a million other things to do, the world, the way it is today. And yet he listens to me. He cares for me. He cares that, Lord, I want you to protect my daughters as they travel. I want you to, can you do this? Can you, was it thy will? Is it? And it's just incredible that people don't realize if you want to be different in today's world, be a Christian. Because this it's, we live in a post-Christian era. You're talking about people that despise us, that mock us. If you want to be persecuted, if you want to live a different life, a Christian. I, I couldn't think of anything better now to physical discipline to working out. I still love the feel, of the barbell in my hand, the dumbbell, the pump, the, the burning sensation. I still feel that. I love it. This The hard work, the pain, the suffering. And the same flip it on the spiritual side of this. Of knowing in the morning, I'm going to read something. I'm going to meditate on His word while I'm sipping my coffee. <laughs> but so, so it's just, It's just the blessings and there's going to be hardships and gosh, it's a hard life. And you said it. We're all tempted. I cannot do it by myself. There's no way I'll fail every time. But once again, and I ask each day, Jeff, each day, God, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom to make it through this day, to make the right decisions. And, and I'm sure you, you, what you're doing now is just incredible, Jeff. I commend you, and I love you so much, brother, for what you're doing. But I'll tell you, I try to reach, we talked about, you know, I'm not going to sit in here and pound the Bible at my athletes or my clients. I'm, you got to do this. No, you do it in a loving, respectable way uh, to, to reach people. This is my situation. This is why I did. Now, you're the adult. You make your own decision, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you why from a historical perspective of Christianity and I'll tell you my belief and my faith in Christianity. And so as I like what John MacArthur says. Why would anybody be ashamed of the gospel, especially in the world we live in today? I watched the Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary on Netflix. So I think, I think it's great. I think it's incredible. You, you know this, Jeff. What's the one thing that Arnold's missing? Greg Laurie talked about it today on Facebook. He, Arnold says, no, there's no afterlife. There's, this is it. And I'm really going to miss it. I'm, he doesn't realize, Arnold, there's so much that you what you have done is incredible. I admire what he's yeah. done. I like what he says. Make yourself use, useful. Don't sit around and be anxious or depressed. I love that. Make yourself useful, Arlie. You've been such an impact. But what you don't have—the one thing that you miss more than anything—is a personal relationship with Christ. And oh, yeah. so, no doubt, uh, Louis Simmons the same way, West Side Barbell. Yeah. So, um, so that—that's how much. Oh, and do I make mistakes every day? Oh my goodness! But His love. His forgiveness, his grace, and his mercy. Um there's well, one
1: as far as the training goes, you know, uh, my whole thing is that I beat my body and put it under me. And uh you know, basically it's just like you say, uh I sent you a video of me uh squatting on my machine the other day I love and, that, and i love that machine i love it i loved it yeah it's it's an awesome machine but you know i have my hip replaced and they said hey you'd never squat and all this but at the same time you know my doctor said if you do what i tell you to do your hip will be stronger <laughs> than it's ever been so uh yeah. yeah i just try to teach that hip a lesson every once in a while but you know Amen. Uh, so yeah i'm right along with you there i wanted to uh mention uh just the fact that you know at some point in our careers, way back when you know we had we had some experience at the high school level and uh, you know what I wanted to mention was I, I got so much satisfaction out of that. I was a football coach, a head wrestling coach and strength coach, all that kind of stuff. but uh, you just feel a lot of satisfaction from the athletes and also the parents as well. And then of course, when you move to the collegiate level, you just become so enthralled with winning and, uh, trying to, uh, keep your job for the next year from year to year. I only had one multiple year contract and I actually left it and went somewhere else. But, uh, you know, you, you really don't get as close to the athletes as you'd like to. And, uh, because you're just so consumed with trying to be accomplished. And then a lot of coaches, I think, are looking for green grass somewhere else all the time. You know, where can I go next? So they spend most of their time looking for another job. Uh, and what's been very rewarding to me is uh, uh, when, I, when I retired and I started to train people, younger people, uh, one-on-one, Uh, I started to get that satisfaction back again, that appreciation and, uh, you know, that deep appreciation and also that deep appreciation from parents at times as well. And uh, I just think there's a lot of value in that. And it's something that we kind of forget about. And it's something that, uh, you know, I wish that somehow I could have got you know more involved with the players even than I was at the collegiate level from that standpoint from you know influencing their spiritual lives, um mentoring more and and keeping more people in the program over a four-year period. So uh just wanted to mention that and see if you had any thoughts there.
2: Yeah, and I agree wholeheartedly with what you're talking about. Um in high school, head uh, had junior varsity football coach, and then you went up to the high school to coach their, the defensive ends there. We won the, Southern, we won the conference, Southern uh, South Conference, uh, South Piedmont Conference, excuse me, uh, in junior varsity. All of that was great. Such an influence on those kids. Um, they just took to everything you were saying. Uh, back then, Jeff, the, the kids, they hung on every word. My high school football coach was like a father figure, was like a God. I mean, you respected those men so much. Um, And then you're exactly right. When you get to college, uh, boy, you better – you can have those relationships, but you better win. Yeah. You had better win. I thought uh, Coach uh, Sparky Woods um, was going to get let go his first year. But we cranked at it. We won the first two Southern Conference football championships that Appalachian State uh, had won in a very, very long time, back-to-back. Yeah. And Sparky and his staff was just, oh, love those guys to death. And so, yeah, it's totally different. Now, and just like I said earlier, I'm not going to beat them with the Bible. I'm like, you got to do this. That's not the way you go about it. You do it with love and respect yeah. and, and wisdom, and they see the best thing, people just want to see how you're living your life today. Are you cussing every word? And I can let some you know I, you know you, you, you make a mistake, you might say something, but it's not constant. It's not your language, the way you, the way you act, the way you conduct yourself. And here's the deal, Jeff. The way you care about your athletes, your clients. Yeah. People want to know. They don't know how much, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care about it. Yeah. And you're exactly right. Yeah. Well, I'm not trying, I'm, and I'm not trying to run
1: any kind of a kumbaya adventure. You know, I yeah. mean, I'm encouraging people to get out of bed and get ready to battle. Amen. Amen. And, uh, you know, Put on the armor of God and grab that whatever you do, grab that sword, grab that word of God.
2: It's it's the armored life that you've got right now, Jeff. And and that's why this this can be such an influence. Don't let the enemy steal your future.
1: Don't let the enemy steal your joy. You know, and recognize when you're being attacked with regard to your weaknesses, your temptations, your weaknesses. And get ready to fight that battle. You, you got to recognize the battle, and you got to get ready to armor yourself to fight it. Amen. Every day, you know, Jeff, I, that, I agree. You know, agree completely. I'm going to speak to a couple more FCA uh, get-togethers this summer, and you know, those are the types of things that I'm going to talk about, of course, with these young people. And I'm just trying to uh, uh, basically uh, have God give me some keep giving me some form
2: of platform. Well, he's done that just that, Jeff, for you. And look at what you're doing right now with these podcasts—just incredible. How I remember you give me a phone call, and God had planted a seed for the armored life. I remember that day, Jeff. You asked me to come aboard. And uh, by the way, that article on—I'm writing an article on fats. Yeah. Uh, saturated, monohydrate, monohydrate fats, and uh, polyunsaturated fats. And uh, I'm having a lady dress it up for your armored uh, life website for mine, uh, and so that should be uh, coming up on your website soon. But look how, look what you've done, and it's just incredible. Just one seed, and look it's grown. And I commend you for that, Jeff. Well, much
1: appreciated, and uh, I really appreciate uh, you know just uh, all these things that kind of fell into place. Um, and particularly this, uh, the the podcast, well, Sports Objective. I'm very thankful for, for you know for their invitation. Uh, you know, before we close, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Brad Lawing. Thank you. Uh, who we both had a chance to coach with, and uh, uh, Brad coached our D line at Carolina. Uh, I don't even recall what years that they, they there were, but uh, and I also had a chance to coach his son, Will. Uh, Will's been in the NFL now. I don't know what his title is, but, uh, I know that he's somewhere in the NFL still, but, uh, uh, but I was, I was very much shocked to hear that Brad had passed. And, uh, you know, certainly at a young age. And, um, so, you know, maybe talk a little bit about your friendship with Brad.
2: Yeah. Jeff, thank you for the opportunity. Um, Brad passed away a week ago today. I had talked to him the Friday before that on the phone. He called me. I coached with, uh, and just wanted to talk, but I'll talk about that in a minute. But I coached with Brad at Appalachian State all those years from 83 to uh, 89. They left for the University of South Carolina. Sparky called me in the office and he said, Chip, he got the head uh, football coach at the uh, University of South Carolina. And he said, Chip, he took his whole staff. He said, Chip, the president said I could take anybody I wanted to except the strength coach. <laughs> I had to stay. But everything works out. Great relationship with Coach Moore. And then I met my wife. So everything works out. But Brad, we were close. Um, hadn't talked to him in a while. Then we reconnected. He had been so many Power Five schools and you got to be good to stay in power five. Yeah. And um, you know what? He was, he was intense. He what? he told players, I'm not for everybody. I'm not going to serve you. He told mom and dad, I'm not going to serve them cookies and ice cream. Yeah. They're going to be better men. They're going to be better football players and they're going to graduate. And Brad was tough, but Brad was intelligent. He knew his X's and O's. And here's the deal. Once again, Jeff, he cared about his players. He would talk about life. He would talk about the in but about uh, the X's and O's. Anything you wanted to talk about, he would take time. But he loved his players. He was hard on them. He was one intense coach. Now, wheel coach. His son. He was at Alabama, and now he is the tight end coach for the New Orleans, New England, excuse me, New England Patriots. And so I. I am going to go tomorrow. This is being uh, done on a Thursday night. So Friday morning, I'm getting up. I'm driving to Lexington, South Carolina. The funeral will be at Lexington High School at 11 a.m. I will be there. And it's going to be a very sad reunion. There's a lot of ASU players. And I think maybe almost the entire staff is going to be there. Yeah. And it's going to be bittersweet. Yeah. There'll be a lot of hugs, a lot of handshakes, a lot of tears, a lot of love for one another because we were, as you've been on, some very – it was a very close staff. Yeah. And I think it was one of Brad's, if not the favorite, it might have been his favorite staff of all the staffs he's been on yeah. because we were so close. So Brad Lawing, let me say this, and I'll close on him. He cared about his players. I had one player say I was on the Black and Gold podcast last week, this time last week, talking about this same time, uh, yeah. the Black and Gold podcast at Appalachian State. <laughs> so I just thought about that a week ago tonight, talking about his passing. And, and Anthony Downs, defensive end for us all conference, said this. Chip, coach, he was my ultimate coach. Tommy Dawkins, defensive end uh, uh defensive lineman coach he was my father he was like a father to me and tommy and anthony they're african african americans yeah they loved him and he loved them so what well, give a hug well, well, well for me i will i will
1: you bet. Uh, and uh, yeah, I want to also just mention that, that I want to ask you, uh, you
2: know when App State started football? What year did App State start football? Ooh. Coach, I would get it wrong, but I'm thinking I'm thinking in the 30s when the Southern Conference started. Yeah. But the Southern Conference used to be the conference. And even I think Wake Forest was in it, University of North Carolina, they switched to ACC. Appalachian State came in. But that – I've seen pictures, and you've seen it in East Carolina and North Carolina, the, the stadium, and gosh, it was just bleachers there. Yeah. And you saw the same thing in East Carolina, how, that's, how far that's come. So Appalachian is just – it's incredible what's happened there. And I think Sparky – if you don't mind me saying this, Jeff, I don't want to take too much time, but Sparky Woods, I think uh, Mac started it when we won those two Southern Conference football championships – and then, what not taking anything, Coach Way, taking anything away from Coach Moore. What a great man. What a great, strong Christian man. Um, he changed it. He changed the whole, the national championships. And um, so it is what it is today, I think, because of those two men as far as football. And that's how important college football is to a university, it can change the whole dimension of how that university is perceived.
1: Yeah, tons of, tons of coaches have come through there, similar to East Carolina. You know, Dwayne yeah. for uh, who I coached. Ruffin, East, and Neil. And Ruffin, just a great yeah. man. Yeah. Well, Chip, I'm going to have to close, and uh, I really appreciate you coming on. It's been awesome. Uh, great to hear your story. And uh, we'll be in touch here very soon. Uh, but I just want to thank you and uh, drive safe. And uh, I'll be talking to you soon,
2: uh, Jeff. It has been—I'm humbled—and it has been quite an honor to share uh, to share this time with uh, uh, such a man as yourself. Thank you so much. You know I love you, brother.
1: <laughs> Same here. As uh, so it is, Jeff Connors uh, signing off. God bless. We'll see you next week on Absolute Empower. Thanks a lot. See you later.
0: You've been listening to Absolute Empowerment with Coach Jeff Connors on the Sports Objective. Join us every Monday night for a new edition of the show. Listen to the show pretty much everywhere podcasts are found. Be sure to follow us on social media at the Sports Obj on Twitter and TikTok, at the Sports Objective on Instagram. Like and follow our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel. As always, we appreciate you listening to the show and go Pirates!